Welcome to the ministry of Barefoot Church. I'm Clay Neesmith, the pastor here at Barefoot Church. And man, we hope what you experience here today uh, will encourage you, motivate you, and inspire you in a great, great way. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. And we are so glad you joined us uh, during this particular month where we're talking about our next steps as a family, as a congregation, as a people. And again, uh, we kicked it off last weekend. We as a church are preparing to take some huge next steps. And so throughout this month, we're going to be talking a little bit about that and, and really prepping us up to, to do greater things. And God is getting ready to do something amazing in our hearts and through our people. And so we're so excited you joined us today. On October the 6th, we're going to be doing what we call Commitment Weekend. And we're going to have a special weekend where we're going to come together as a church family. Um, we're going to do a service at 10 a.m. We're not going to do one at 9 and we're not going to do one at 11. We're going to bring those two services together. We're going to have one big family service here on October the 6th. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. So you don't want to miss out on that. We're going to have the big tents out front. All kinds of cool stuff going on here. And we're going to come and we're going to kind of share what God has put in our heart that weekend uh, in order to take this next step in, in our journey. So again, I want to keep prepping us up. You know, God is not... Uh, uh, is, is, is at work in our church and we are not actually asking you uh, today um, to, to decide today what you're wanting to commit to this journey because honestly, we believe that, that when God gets hold of our hearts that he can encourage us in greater ways than uh, we can basically be encouraged by someone with a microphone. So I want to continue the process of, of prepping us up to do greater things. And so I've titled today's talk as Prep Up So We Can Step Up. I thought that was pretty cool. So anyway, anybody ever been prepped for something before? A surgery, come on. Colonoscopy, that's prepping at another level, you know. <laughs> so, and uh, we've all been prepped for something. I, I remember you know, prepping for the big game, the big season. Athletes, you know, they, they spend a lot of time prepping because when they get on the field, they want to what? They want to produce. And so they, they prep all season long. Actually, most of them prep before the season ever gets there and they prep before preseason. I remember in high school, uh, our coach was big on endurance. He was big on conditioning. And so I would have to spend my time like, prepping for the prep season, the preseason, like three months before the preseason the, the pre because we were going to have to run so much. And if, if you weren't prepped for the preseason, then, then you just die. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we prep for all kinds of things. And the passage we're going to look at today is a passage in the Old Testament, First Chronicles. And First Chronicles is an amazing, amazing chapter in our Bible because it's basically talking about uh, the life of King David and King David prepping the people to do what God put in his heart next for, for the kingdom of Israel. Now, King David was, is known as probably one of the greatest kings that's ever lived on the face of this planet. He's the second king of Israel. He followed King Saul. But God did amazing things through King David. Basically, God took King David and he took a people 
that were not a whole lot of anything. And King David began to conquer much territory. He began to uh, uh, win many battles. He began to inspire people in a great, great way. And so, so God took his heart and put it in his hand and used King David to inspire lots of people to be, to be his people. And, you know, God is in the business of taking our heart and putting it in his hand to do great, great things. And the Bible even says that King David was a man after God's own heart. Now, it wasn't because he made a lot of mistakes. King David did make a lot of mistakes. But the reason he was a man after God's own heart and fulfilled his purpose in his generation is because he submitted his heart and his life to the vision of God. In, in other words, you know what? His heart was, was to basically make God's name great among the world. And so the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. He fulfilled his purpose in his generation. Again, it wasn't without mistakes. Anybody ever made a mistake before? I, I just want you to know today, those mistakes Many people will tell you, will hold you back from what God wants to do in your life and through your life. But I'm here to declare to you today that if you submit, everybody say submit. You submit yourself, your whole self, wholeheartedly into the hands of the living God. God will take your past and he will build a greater future in your life. But the key is to set yourself apart and submit yourself to God because God wants to do miracles and do amazing things in your heart and through your heart. But you got to submit. Come on, somebody. So if you made a mistake... Here's the deal. God's inviting you on a journey. And we as a church are prepared to take our next steps. And this particular group of people uh, was preparing to take a next step. And so what David does is David challenges the people to take the next step. He challenges the people to set themselves apart for the great things that God, God wanted them to do. Now, what he's going to do is he's going to challenge the people to build, to build a temple. Last week we talked about the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the expensive, the multi-million dollar tent that Moses set up for the people of Israel to move in. Now they've conquered a bunch of land. They have Jerusalem. And David says in 1 Chronicles 28 that God put it in his heart to build a permanent dwelling place for God's presence among God's people so God's people could make God known among the world, around the world. And so this is some 500 years after Moses set up that tabernacle. And now David says, we're going to build a permanent spot, a permanent home. It's going to be expansive. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be simply amazing. But what we want you to do is we want you to catch the vision and the heart of God in us building this particular temple. So, God, so David begins to encourage the people to prep up so they could step up. And really that's what First Chronicles Chapter 29 is all about. It's, it's David basically calling on the people to step up to the fullness of, of who they, they could be. And so he asked an important question. And I'm going to ask the same question of our congregation today. And this question is found in your Bible in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 5. And this is what he says. And in... 
preparing to take this next step. He says, now who is willing to consecrate himself or herself today to the Lord? That's an important question. So I'm going to read it again. David says, we're, we're getting ready to take a next step. We're getting ready to build this amazing temple in Jerusalem. God put it in my heart. Though, though David knew that he wasn't going to build the temple, that his son Solomon was going to build the temple, David said God put the blueprint in his heart and he was going to do everything he could in order to resource Solomon to do what God put in his heart. Now, again, David wasn't going to build it. Though God put it in his heart to build it, God says, you're not going to build it. It's going to be your son that's going to build it, David. But what I'm going to use you to do is I'm going to use you to raise the resources and put it all together so that this temple can get, get built. And so David is sharing all this information. And then he looks at the leaders, the people, the congregation, the family. And he says, who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord. Now that's a word, consecrate, that we don't use a lot in our modern day uh, language, right? And I'm gonna unpack that word a little bit today because honestly, I think it's the most important question you can ask of yourself if you want God to do great things through you. It's really cool to know God, but it's even cooler to know who God says you are. And then set yourself apart for God to say, that's a man, that's a woman after my own heart. And they fulfilled their purpose in their generation. See, because the reason God is asking people to set themselves apart and David called on the congregation to set themselves apart for the things of God is because God wanted everybody to fulfill their purpose and do what he had designed human beings to do. And so David begins to share what it means to build this temple. He begins to share his heart and he begins to share the vision that God placed in his heart. And you know, the Bible says something interesting in the book of Romans in the New Testament. And it says this in Romans chapter 12, verse one and two. The, the writer here says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, Christ followers. He says, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Those are two very important words. Not just sacrifice, not just living but this writer says, in view of what God has done through Christ Jesus, in view of God's mercy and his amazing love, in view of God coming to you and touching your life and bringing you out of darkness and out of bondage into the wonderful life, in view of that, though none of us deserve it, God had mercy on the human race. In view of that, he says, I invite you to offer yourself up as a living, sacrifice. Let's say those two words together. Living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice. And offer up yourself. That means all of you. To God as a living sacrifice, holy, set apart and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. People talk all about worship all the time. And they say, I'm going to worship God. 
Did you, did you, that verse right there tells us how to worship God. It's simply, it's, it's, it, I like to say it this way, I'm all in. Because it says, offer up all of you to God, set apart. And it's a holy and pleasing sacrifice to God. And this is true the way to worship God. You know why it says that? Because whenever we offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice to God, then we can get back to doing what God originally created the human race to do, which is to permeate his presence in the earth. But what I have discovered is a lot of times people don't offer all of them up. Their, their entire being, their, 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 their personality, their family, their, their, their job, their, you know, their career, their education, anything. The reason we don't offer everything, the reason we don't offer our bodies up to God is because we don't understand his vision. And I have yet to find basically a church. If you go to any church in, in, in America that's preaching the good news of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, they have a vision. And their vision normally comes from God. But what happens is it gets, it gets sometimes translated in such a way that, that people don't get the vision. So I want to I wanna be clear with the vision today. And understand, the vision isn't just taking the next step and building a building. The, build, the vision is the same vision that David had when he says, hey, we're going to do something ginormous. We're going to do something great. We're going to do something magnificent. Because God has put something in my heart. And what's interesting is David was probably at this time in the world when he made this statement, he was probably the richest man in the world financially. And interesting enough, this, this project was going to cost multi-millions of dollars. And in reality, David himself could have probably financed the whole project right out of his pocket. However, what's interesting, though he could have financed the entire project out of his own pocket, he calls on the people the assembly, the leaders to set themselves apart and willingly step up and do what God would ask them to do. I find this fascinating because he had all the resources in his own pocket to execute this building project. But the reason he didn't execute the building project is because if he would have done it with his own resources and his own money, then the congregation couldn't have consecrated themselves unto the Lord, couldn't have offered up their bodies as living sacrifices to God and be all in. So what he's doing is he's saying, are you all in? Come on, somebody. And so why I'm not really bashful to get up here and tell you today that me and my family are all in. It's interesting because David, David in the passage, he tells the congregation and the people exactly what he's going to give. The amount. And it's radical. And it's all in. And, and you know, I find that incredible. 
Because he's saying, man, you know what? I, I'm getting ready to give a bunch of money to this project. It's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. But, but again, it wasn't about getting a building built. It was about his great God becoming great in the eyes of the world. And my friends, I want you to understand today, this next step that we're getting ready to take, God's inviting us into something amazing. But again, they build brick and mortar buildings every single day. And, and, and again, they cost millions of dollars. All kinds of buildings all over this great land called the good old USA. But in the reality of it is, we're not just building a building of brick and mortar. We're building a great building, a fascinating building, an excellent building because we serve the living God and we're putting ourselves in the hands of the living God. So how do you offer your body up as a living sacrifice? You ever thought about that? How, how do you do that? It's, it's all of you. Your mind? Your head, your, your will, your heart, and then your actions, your hands. And my friends, if, if you're going to prep up to step up, I, I think it's a really good idea to understand what it means to live life for God with your head with your heart and with your hands because literally that's what it means to be all in. Lots of people think the set apart people, the church is just an assembly of people that gather and worship on the weekend. And honestly, it's assembly of people. It's, it's people who have been called out of darkness into the wonderful light. They come together and you know what their mission is? is to make God's name great in their community. To do things with excellence. To do things with perseverance. To do things with, in such a way that people could say, you know what, it was only God who could bring those people together and do such a project as this. And so David cast vision in this passage to prepare people's head prepare their mind. I want to show it to you. It's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1. This is what it says. It, it says, then King David said to the whole assembly, my son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. Pay close attention to this. This is amazing. He says, the task is great in executing this project. Because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord. And so what David says is, look, I have spent my entire life. He, this is towards the end of his life. And I'm not going to build the temple, but God has chose my son Solomon to build the temple. But what I was chose to do was to gather the resources and get the blueprint and give it to him and allow him to, to basically execute God's vision. And so David says, it's going to be a great task. It's going to be a palatial uh, struggle. And, and what we're going to need to do is we're going to need to come together. David begins to share the vastness of the project. You should go home and read 1 Chronicles 29. The vastness of the project. It is amazing. 
And it's incredible. You know, there is this, um, there is this childhood disease, I guess you would call it. And it's called, I think I'm saying this right. Uh, eye doctors identify this as amblyvideo or something like that. Is that right? Is that how you say it? Dr. Chuck, it's an odd thing. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, it's called lazy eye. That's the, that's the, that's the term for, for this thing. And lazy eye is simply this. It, it, can, it can be corrected, but it's not really, as I did a little research, it's not really an, an eye problem. It's, it's more of a connector problem. And, and what I mean by that is it's, it's the nerve that, that moves from the eye to the brain. And because there's some problems there, then the brain doesn't connect the image the eye is seeing properly. And then the other eye will dominate and a person begin to have these complications. But eventually what can happen is, is that particular problem can be, can be solved whenever, whenever a person gets, does patches and all kinds of other things. But the, the point is, is it's known as a, as a vision problem, but really what it is, is not just a vision problem. It's, it's a development problem. And, and what I mean by that is that is the challenge. It's not a vision problem. It's the development of, of a nerve that causes the problem. And what I've discovered is this in the local church, a lot of times it's, it's not a vision problem. It's, it's a connection problem. And so many, I can stand up here and share the vision, share the magnitude, share the vastness of this project. And it's amazing. We need to get it in our heart. However, if we don't hear the vision properly or understand where the vision comes from, then, then we probably have a connector problem and, and then we don't want to get involved with God's vision. So again, the vision is clear. Yes, we're going to build a building. It's going to be magnificent. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a place to raise kids and do amazing, amazing things. But at the end of the day, you're hearing what it's going to look like and you're not really maybe sometimes understanding where it comes from. And again, every church that I know of has a vision and that vision typically comes from God. They say it different ways, but it usually comes from God. And basically, this is the vision. And the vision is this. God created human beings in his image and in his likeness. However, human beings miss the mark, miss the bullseye, miss the glory of God, miss what God created them to be. The Bible calls it sin. That's what sin is. It's a picture word. I miss. So here's the vision. Okay. God created you for greatness. God created you and me to be a spitting image of who he is and permeate his presence into this earth. 
However, humans missed. The wheels came off. God says, I'm not going to have it. I'm going to send a savior. His name is Jesus. I'm going to send a connector. I'm going to send one back to humanity to connect people back to me so I can download who I am into their spirit and then they can get busy living out their purpose in this world. My friend, God came to save us from our sin so that we can display who he is to this earth and his amazing greatness through the personality and we can persevere and we can be who God has created us to be. I don't know any other way to say it. It's my message. It's over and over again. God brings us out so that we can be who he has created us to be. You want to be great? Then consecrate yourself unto the Lord. In other words, submit yourself to the hands of the living God. We all miss the mark. But God in his great mercy and his incredible love for the human race did something. He came on a rescue mission to forgive us of missing. Slap your neighbor and say you're forgiven. He came to forgive us of our sin so that Whoever believes in him will not perish, will not waste away, will not stay in that state of mind, but will have new life found in Christ Jesus and move forward with the life. But my friend, you don't move forward until you get a download of who God is. God doesn't bring you out so you can keep going back. God is in the transformation business. Come on, somebody. He transforms us. He puts new vision in us. He puts a new heart in us. And this heart is to make his name great among the nations and live out our purpose just like David did in, in this generation. Is that your heart? Is that your vision? Because that's what we're doing together. And it needs to be magnificent. It needs to be freaking incredible. It needs to be like, dude, I, I want to taste and see what those people are connected to. And so there's a great calling. It's expensive. It's expensive. However, at the, re, the reality of knowing that Christ paid such a high price for you and me, will you submit and put your hands into And your heart into the hands of the living God. Because my friend, that's what it means to consecrate yourself. Next, we understand that David didn't only prep them with a vision. David also, he, 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 prepped, he prepped their heart. How, how many of you know what a, what a strong-willed child is? Strong-willed child. You won, Caleb. No. That means they get their own mind and they go their own way. And how many of you know it's easier to work 
with a willing person than an unwilling person. Well, I want you to know today that I'm up here sharing my heart because God is wanting some willful people to help move this vision forward. And I'm inviting you, again, King David could have financed the project out of his own pocketbook. As a matter of fact, he says, I'm willingly given much of my personal resources to this project above and beyond what I've already gathered for this project. And he says, will you set yourself apart also and do this too? Why? Because, because David wanted to know that the people were willfully submitting themselves to the hand of the living God. And honestly, I think each of us need to know if we're willfully submitting ourselves to the hand of the living God. And, and, and the way to know that is are you willing to consecrate yourself and help move God's vision forward? What is his vision? I just shared it with you. Churches share it all the time, all over the world, a lot of different ways. But God's vision is to make people whole again, to transform them, to help them get a download of his purpose so they can permeate his presence into this earth. But I want to show you this because this is amazing. And David says, here's the deal. First Chronicles 29, verse 3. He says, my heart's willing. And he asked the people, he says, basically, is your heart willing? The Bible says this. He says, with all of my resources, I have provided for this temple of my God. First Chronicles 29, verse 2. He says, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, and iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise stones, and various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. All of, all of these in large quantities. He says, besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, he says, I now give my personal, everybody say personal. He says, my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. And then he goes on to explain what those things are. And I think there's a reason for that. Then it goes on to say this in verse six. Then all the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. Everybody say willingly. Not unwillingly. Now look what it says in First Chronicles 29, verse 9. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David, the king, also rejoiced greatly. So why did David rejoice greatly? It wasn't just because they raised the resources. Again, he had enough resources. He didn't rejoice greatly just because they got more resources to build a bigger temple. He rejoiced gratefully at the willingness of the heart of people because David understood that, you know what? God had got a hold of their heart. He had gotten their, his vision in their head, got a hold of their heart, and together they were willing to step up to the plate and do a task, do something great for the hand of the living God. That is simply amazing. And here's the deal. It's God isn't wanting to twist your arm. I'm not up here to put you in the four Nelson. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. <laughs> Old wrestling stuff. The figure four. That's not what I'm here for. 
to twist your arm into giving in this project. I'm up here sharing my heart and this next step as a church because God has a heart for this community. And God has a heart, you know what, for the next person. And God had a heart for me and he had a heart for you. And together we can continue to exhibit who God is into this world. And I'm here to declare to you today, as David declares, me and my family, we are all in. We're going to step up. We're going to step up in a big, big way. I'm not ready to announce what that big way is completely because I know this. I know what God is putting in my heart. And my wife, he hadn't quite got there with her yet. But I say that in all seriousness because we're going we're gonna to be all in. We're going all in. And I believe David shared that on purpose because he wanted people to know this. He wasn't even going to, he wasn't even going to build the temple. However, he had a heart for God. And because he had a heart for God and God's name to become great and people become everything that God had created them to be, you know what? He said, I'm all in, even with my personal treasures. And when other people started stepping up and saying, we're all in too, we're gonna get this done, David. We're gonna do this. You know what? David began to just like rejoice, the Bible says. Why? Simply because they had a willful spirit and a willful heart. And David understood they got it. And because they got it, you know what? They were going to be able to move the vision forward and it was going to be, it was going to be incredible. And David understood, they began to understand who God is and what he wanted to do. You know what's interesting? Jesus said, you want to test your heart? He said, he said it this way. Jesus said this. Where your heart is, your treasure will be also. What was Jesus saying? Where you are all in, your, your treasure will be. My, my friend, I don't know about you, but I think that's a great barometer in a great way to know where my heart is. What am I believing about God? What am I believing about the community that God has placed me in? What am I, I believing my purpose here on earth is? And again, you know, the fact of the matter is, I don't think God is coming in here today because the Bible also speaks of this. He's not telling you to give everything you got away to somebody else. Because the Bible speaks way too much about about stewardship, about not being lazy, about taking care of your family. Come on, somebody. And the Bible speaks way too much about all of that. But again, the Bible also talks about understanding where your heart is. Do you have a willful heart for God's vision? Because if you have a willful heart for God's vision, that means you step up and do something with your life, your head, your heart. And then lastly, your hands. David said, you know, I, I'm in this thing, but look what he says about, about hands. Bible says this, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 17. He goes and says something incredible. This is amazing to me. 
as you follow this passage along. David breaks out because the people said, I'm all in. We're willful. It's amazing. It's incredible. David breaks out in this prayer and this praise. And then he says this. He says to God, he says, I know my God that you test the heart. Did you know God tests your heart? He doesn't tempt your heart, but he tests your heart. Look what it says. He says, I know, it's a strange word, isn't it? I know, my God, that you test the hearts, the heart, and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent, David says. And now I have seen with joy how willing your people who are here have given to you. So again, they take action, they bring it with their hands and, and what David rejoices about is how willing the people had given to God, but he says, here's the deal, because he knows that God tests the heart by how people give. Did you know that? God tests where your heart is by how your generosity flows. And I invite all of us to check that out in our own heart. It's not really for me to check your heart and you to check my heart. However, I think it's a great, great tool that God has given for us to understand where our heart really is. Do you have a heart for the house? Do you have a heart for the presence of God? Do you have a heart to see God's name made famous? Do you really understand why we're on this planet anyway? And the reason we're on this planet is to permeate the presence of the living God. You know what? We were made in his image, in his likeness. He says, be fruitful and multiply and spread who I am around the world. I know we've missed, okay? But God came to get us back on track with Jesus. He has deposited his Holy Spirit in us. Greater is he who is in us than is in the world. He will tell you who you are in this process. The question is, are you Willfully submitting your heart into the Creator's hands. Because that's literally what it means to consecrate yourself. Let's all do this together. Let's put our hands in a praying posture. And, and Jill's going to come out and play the keyboard behind me. And set the stage for what God wants to do in your heart and in your life and through your life. Now, as you hold your hands in a praying posture, do you know why people hold their hands like this? And you see it on pictures all over the world as people praying. Go. Drawings called praying hands. You, you know why we hold our hands like this? Well, I didn't either. But I did a little research. And in the medieval period of time, after Christ had resurrected, people at a particular time and period would would basically they, they lived in kingdoms 
And many times the king would sit on his throne and begin to ask about people's loyalty and devotion to, to, to his kingdom and what he wanted to do in and through them, okay? And, and so in order to pay respect and homage to the king, the, the servants would come before the king's throne and they would kneel down before the king in the kingdom and they would press their hands together a lot like we got our hands pressed together here right now. And, and this is what they would do. Bill, I'll use you as an example. But so they would come and they would kneel before, before the king and in order to show their allegiance and loyalty to the king and the king accepting them, he would take his hands and he'd put it on the outside of their hands, hold them together. And he would press like that as a representation that I am transferring the power of my kingdom into your hands because you're loyal and you're devoted to my, my kingdom. And so Christians in that particular day decided how cool would it be if we took that idea, you can go read about it, it's amazing. If we took that idea and we took all of us and we put it into the nailed, scarred hands of our Savior and let Him basically, symbolically press on us and transfer His power into us because we're loyal and we got integrity towards our great king and we know that he's transferring his power into our life for us to do greater things. See, see, that's why we hold our hands together like this. It's not just religious activity that we do, but it's a symbolic way to say, you know what, God, I am coming, I'm all in. I'm taking all of me, my head, my heart, and my hands, and I am filling your open hand with my life so it can be transferred from you into me, and I can offer you to this amazing and incredible world. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. Awesome. And so this word consecrate, it literally comes from a Hebrew term known as, as extending an open hand, feeling an open hand. Because what the priests would do in the temple is, is they would basically open their hands in between the people and God and they would receive the offerings and the, the things that the people would bring. And then they would offer those things up to God. The people would come and fill their hands. They would offer those things up to God. You know what? And, and the Bible says that there would be a pleasing aroma to the great God. And it literally means to consecrate yourself means to, to basically open your hands and receive what is offered and take it up to God. And so David literally says, will you set yourself apart? Will you open up your hands and your heart? And will you feel the hands of the living God and exhibit who he is in the world by stepping up and helping me complete this next step in God's amazing plan and his incredible project. It's amazing. So it's not like, hey, will you consecrate, set yourself apart? Just to set yourself apart. It's will you set yourself apart and be willing to be used by God. Offer your bodies up as a 
living sacrifice. This is your true act of worship is what the Bible says. And so we're challenging people to prep their heart because we're getting ready to take a next step on October the 6th in a big, big way to really show this community that we have a heart for the things of God. Can you bow your heads, please? God, you're an amazing, amazing God. And God, I pray today we would set ourselves apart. We would consecrate ourselves. We would offer up all of us to you, God. We would put ourselves and submit ourselves into the hands of the living God. God, you have purpose for every person here. Every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. And God, you test our heart. God, I pray we'd be a willful people. We'd be encouraged by working together for the benefit of bringing your name honor and your name of glory. And God, we wouldn't just build a magnificent campus, a palatial palace, but God, we would build something that you come and you dwell among your people in such a way, not in a building, but in our hearts, God, where, where the community could recognize the hand of the living God. God, the way that happens is we submit ourselves to you. God, I pray for submission. I pray for strong-willedness to be broken in this place today. And God, I pray that we as your people would come back to you and God, live out our purpose, which is simply to display who you are to the community that you've placed us in and make the name of Jesus great. If you're here today and you've never done that, understand that's why God came. It wasn't just to forgive you. It was to forgive you, to bring you back into a relationship with him. And my friend, the Bible says it's in view of God's mercy that we offer our our bodies up as living sacrifice. Do you understand the mercy that God had on your soul? My friend, none of us deserve that. But the Bible says, it's by our faith in his unmerited favor and his gift of grace that offers us the opportunity to step back into that relationship. So my friend, if you have never trusted Jesus, I want you to know that that's how you enter back into the relationship. It's why God offered him on a cross. He resurrected from the grave with great, great power. And the Bible says that God transfers that power into your life so you can be transformed and live out your purpose if you'll just receive it. So my friend, that's what salvation in this Christian life is all about. It's about a transferred power into you so together we can live out who he says we can be. You're created in the image of the living God. Don't let anything detour you from knowing him and making him known. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you were encouraged, motivated, and inspired today by the message. And again, man, we believe in you. We believe great things for you. It's because of many people's faithful giving that we're able to go out around the world. If you choose to invest in Barefoot Church, just go on over to barefootchurch.com. You can give there, but go out, live your purpose, and be inspired in a great, great way.